Welcome to another episode of the bonus series of the Geared for Growth Property Investing podcast, where we talk to the experts and get them to share their top tips on how to achieve exceptional results in property investing. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, and I'm excited to be sharing another episode with you. And if you love the podcast, please click on the subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. Now, whether you're a dab hand at DIY home projects or don't know one end of a power tool from the other, my guest today is sure to shed some light on the property renovation experience. You might have heard of him from his book, Australia's Home Buying Guide, or his podcast, Pizza and Property. But if you haven't heard of Todd Sloan, today's your lucky day. Todd got involved in property from a young age, and he's a big fan of being hands-on in the renovation process. He knows how to extract value from the least likely properties, and I've invited him along today to share some of his secrets on home renovation. Welcome to the show, Todd. Todd Sloan, thanks for joining me on Geared for Growth. Hey, thanks for having me. We're jumping straight into it. Love it. I should say coming back on the show, right? Because you're alumni. Uh, yes. I didn't realize that was the correct context of that word, but yeah, I am. <laughs> it almost certainly isn't. But anyway, it's great <laughs> to have you back. And you are, of course, one of Australia's premier property podcasters. And I'd recommend anyone to check out the Pizza and Property podcast. It's a much better show than this, admittedly. It's just an objective fact. And you're also now a published author with Australia's Home Buying Guide. How's that going? How's the whirlwind book signing baby kissing tour going? I uh, haven't been kissing any babies. Been signing a couple of books, but otherwise, yeah, good. The publisher seems to be happy with the sales, so I guess it's working. It's an awesome book. Anyone that's involved in real estate transactions, which is probably everyone listening to this show, should check that out. I'm sure it's in all good publishing outlets. Yes, yeah, all bookstores. You, you get it in your, your standard sort of Dimmicks, it's in Robertson's. I don't know if Borders are still around anymore. What I, I think, think they, they are. bankrupt, yeah. Yeah, otherwise, uh, Amazon, Booktopia, all the ones online as well. Good. I wanted to plug that because it's a good read. Everyone should check it out. But today we're going to talk about something that's kind of near and dear to you because I often hear these weird stories or you'll send me a text message saying, I've just spent the last 72 hours without sleep renovating a place because I had four (laughs) minutes to do it in and it's all successful and I'm in tears in the bath, but I can't wait to do the next one. We're talking about renovations. When you put it that way, I mean, don't make make it too attractive. (laughs) So you're obviously a real estate agent, podcaster to the stars, published author, but you're a sucker for punishment when it comes to doing renovations. And I think it is a gift, right? You have a real knack at seeing the potential in a property. You've had, I was one of the original sort of YouTube watchers for you demolishing bathrooms and you've got, you've got a good presence there, but it's something that's kind of become part of your property portfolio strategy. Is that fair to say? Yeah, very much. And I think it was originally born out of necessity. I just wasn't earning much money. I was on like 38 grand a year when I started this. So I didn't really have much of a choice. So it was go regional and go reno or just sort of sit on the sidelines. I think these are the best podcasts because the ones that say, oh, you know, my grandfather was in real estate and he lent me $8 million and now I've got 14, so I've made it. People really tire of that. So you're on $34,000. You really had no choice but to buy what could be described, I suppose, as regional shit boxes and turn them into something that you're getting $2 for every dollar of renovation. Pretty much, yeah. Like the the first one. Did, did you want me to sort of go into yes, the please. story? Yes, please. Yeah, and, and even argue with my two for one deal is, I mean, is that part of it? I, I want to hear your whole philosophy on it. Well, it depends on every time because like, I just got this actually revalued two days ago again. Uh, so I bought it for 60, I think it was $62,500. I think I spent about $30,000 on it. So we're up to around the, the 90 mark. The first reval I got uh, was 125. 
Yeah. Actually learned a very valuable lesson with it as well, because this was being the first project when I was still so unsure of what I was doing. And I used to kind of listen to a little bit of everyone. And it's one of my favorite sayings, like a camel is a horse created by a committee. <laughs> if you take too many opinions on board, like the end product isn't what you necessarily thought it was going to be. And I did this stupid practical cost-effective garden that was just, it wasn't even a garden. It was basically blue metal and a couple of plants and um, like blue metal was like stones. Yep. And I actually had the valuer tell me at the end, and I know dollars wise, this isn't a huge amount, but he even said, he's like, I could have given you a 150 if you had have actually had a little garden out the back, but I gave you a 125 because the comps couldn't support it. And that sort of stuck with me that as much as 150 is not that much, it, yeah, we're still a bit of a jump. And then uh, got it revout again for 170, I think a year and a half, two years ago. And it just revout again for 200 now. So wow. like dollars wise, again, it's it's hardly anything, but it's like over that kind of time period, that's over four years. But as far as getting into the next one, that's what enabled me to do it. Mm. And it was cash flow positive. So then it helped with serviceability and, and all the rest of it. So yeah, I'd do that again, but I don't know about buying exactly there again, just because I don't think the opportunity was necessarily the location. It was yep. the deal itself. Yeah. Very good of the valuer to actually say, like, here is some of the sort of secret sauce or what you could have done better. That That's a quite an unusual story. Have you come across a valuer like that before or since, I should say? No. And and he was, a, a, there's not many of them because he, he's a country valuer. So mm. I think they, they work a little bit different. It's like if you talk to a lot of like regional agents, and I mean this with all due respect to them, but some of the regional agents I've spoken to are just like so straight to the point and they'll just tell you like it is straight away. Yeah. But sometimes you've got to ask the questions to actually get that information. I yep. don't just like randomly do that with everyone. So if you ask the question, which I just did was what could I have done to actually make this better? He was forthcoming. Just said, yeah, I could have given you a 150 if you actually had a garden. So a $25,000 garden. Now you obviously understand the space. What do you think you would have had to have spent to get that 25? I'm assuming it would be worth it, right? But this is the part that hurts a little bit. Yeah. Anywhere between sort of three and five. I reckon I could have got it done for and it would have taken me another week. Like I would have just built a very basic little three by three pergola, which the, I ended up doing on the next one, which I think cost me $700 in wood. And I just built it myself. Yep. Um, I actually know a credit to dad. Thank you, dad, for coming and helping. Um, <laughs> Cheers, but, pops. But, but, but yeah, just all these little bits, it, it would have really, really helped. Yeah. So, I mean, that is immediate launching pad, right? Because 72% of property investors only ever get the one property. With that property, you kind of think you paid 62 grand or 62 and a half. You could have mm -hmm. just kind of sat there and waited for something to happen, but it could have been five or six years and you might have looked at it and thought this property isn't growing in value. I kind of... I need to buy a car or a wedding ring or a holiday. I'm just going to sell it because property investing is really not that worthwhile. Do you think a lot of people sort of fall into that trap and, and you by going that sort of withdrawing equity by strategic renovation is is really has what sort of launched you? Yeah, definitely. Because then it went straight to the next one. Unfortunately, stupidly did it with a, a partner very early on, which there was some logical sides to it. But again, it's, yeah, it's not a good idea to buy a house with someone yeah. in the early stages. Is, it, is this romantic partner or, or just like yeah, a deal ro partner? Romantic. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Right. a girlfriend at the time didn't work out. And I think it's the logical side that we had was I was already working six days a week with uh, the show. And this was even pre-podcast days, uh, not with the show, sorry, with, with real estate and sales. Yep. And the seventh day I was going to be renovating. And she basically said, well, you're going to be working seven days a week. If I'm renovating with you, like, I kind of want in. I'll, I'll go halves with you. Yep. So it wasn't like, a, it was all amicable and everything at the, the end. But yeah, it was something that I didn't actually need her help for and didn't need to do financially and we're still a, obviously a strain going through that yeah so i would 
really say to everyone, make sure if you're going to do something with a partner, whether it's romantic or business yeah, partner, yeah. just do it properly. <laughs> I, I didn't. Uh, but anyway, still made money off that. That was one I bought for, what was that? Um, 110,000. And that was what would call semi-regional. So yep. that was only about sort of like 50 Ks away from, from Adelaide, like 40 minutes drive. So that's now worth, I think, 230-ish. Yep. So again, same deal, but got it revowed for, for 165, I think. And we only spent nine grand on it. So it was a simple one. It was just so many little holes. There was 176 holes in the wall. The you counted lady them. that lived there. Yes. Yeah, I got, I got curious. It was a lot. <laughs> There's a look at it. One, two, three. There's so <laughs> many. How many? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Hold my beer, which is yeah. not based on a true story with a teetotaler, obviously. But yeah, it was just the things that scared everyone else away were the things that, that you look for as a renovator. Mm. Because you look at that many holes in the walls and there was only a few that were actually big. So many of them were like pen holes, but there was still probably a good like sort of 30 or 40 that were like fist sort of size. Right. Um, right. But they're not that hard to pair, like repair. And it doesn't really cost much at all. It's just It's just a lot of sort of time and playing around with it. Yeah, must admit, I have a construction degree and I'm useless, but I can do that, right? You buy a little thing from Bunnings, a little pot, and then you squeeze it. If it's a big hole, you've got to put that gauzy stuff on it, but you just scrape it over, sand it back, you're off to the races. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and worst case scenario, you stuff it up, get a plaster in. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like you, you could just go, I, I've ruined this, kick a hole in it and call somebody to fix it up. Now. Yeah. Talk to us about the, I mentioned the sort of $2 for every $1 of spend. I think you've smashed that out of the water already. But when you look at a place for this potential, so I'm looking at a place and I know that I can make money on this because it has holes in the wall or because these things aren't going to cost too much money or the comparables to this sort of property in a done up condition are X. What goes through your head in that sort of due diligence side? More about the last one. It's the comparables. It's right, always right. about looking for actual recent sales because I want to look at this at the very get-go as to how is the value we're going to look at this because my strategy, I've only ever sold one property of my own, sold plenty for other people, but just one of mine. And and it was just, it's the classic story of bought the unit, bought it with the heart, not the head, didn't really do the best um, yeah, best job on that one. So I got rid of that. Yeah. So otherwise I want to look at it because I want to keep it through the eyes of a valuer. So I want to see what kind of comparative sales can they actually look at and go, yeah, I can justify X price. Yep. And if they can justify X price and then I can buy it at a level where there's enough sort of meat in that deal, then perfect. Well, it's, it's time to go, time yep. to make an offer. So yeah. it's, I'd love to say there's like this 50 point checklist or something, but it's, it's <laughs> that's it's pretty straightforward. Well, don't sort of cancel that because that sounds like your second book has already written itself with Todd's 50 point checklist on how to renovate your property available in all good bookstores. What about you as the person how important are you in this process you're putting blood sweat and tears i mean you're doing some of these marathon sessions could you have achieved what you have done let's say buying five thousand kilometers away and outsourcing that to someone on the ground no i I don't think so and only because doing it myself enabled me to do it okay let let me try and reference it this way like uh, i had this discussion with karen baldwin who is an absolute superstar and and chatting with her. And she basically put it to me this way of Todd, I want to renovate 10 to 20 houses a year. So you might go in there and spend $30,000 and let's say you buy it at, at 500 and you, you get a, a reval of 600 just to make it easy numbers. Then you've, you've made your 70 grand. Whereas I'll go in there and spend $60,000, but I'll be able to do this 10 times in a year, 20 times in a year. You're only going to be able to do it twice. Yeah. So 
obviously those numbers are just made up on the spot. I don't think Karen would take that kind of deal. But but what I'm talking about is for me, I was looking at it going, again, if I'm going to keep it, I wanted to make those costs as low as possible because again, then I could pull out as much equity as I could because my serviceability wasn't amazing to then buy the next one. Yeah. So that's what makes me say no, because I don't actually think I could have got my hands on enough debt to actually secure enough property and hold it through the cycle that's just been if I hadn't have actually done a lot of the sweat equity myself. The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education as well. That's the thing, isn't it? For her to be able to be in that position to doing 10 deals or 10 renos a year, you have to concurrently have the money to be buying say three or four or holding Correct. three or four because it's a process to purchase, settle, reno, go to the market, sell, or is she retaining them? I presume she's selling them. She's selling them. Yeah, yeah. she flipped. I think she started retaining a few, but, yep. but otherwise, yeah, she's, she's a flipper thrown through. Flipping used to be a hugely popular thing and I had a very amazing 10-month career in real estate. I was just mm-hmm. I was just so effective that I just thought oh, it's unfair to other people. <laughs> I'm joking. I was I was the worst real estate agent in the history of real estate agents. I was an introvert that kind of preferred reading a book and drinking a Shiraz and being left alone. That's not a have good. We, have we talked about this before? I don't why, know. We'll why take does it off. Sound like news to me. I didn't know you were an agent. Uh, I was, but as I say, ten months, so it doesn't really qualify. Okay. But I used to have people come to me all the time saying, like, I want a flipper thing. I want something to renovate, and then you would take them to look at it, and they go, Oh, it's a bit run down i'm like what (laughs) it fits your brief dude (laughs) but that wasn't really what i wanted to get at but it became really really popular and then of course with all of those renovation tv shows where everyone's kind of sleep deprived and and catty and it makes for you know good sort of bitchy television that made it even more popular but these days it's a hard game because you've obviously got to find something where you can increase the value by a pretty big margin because you're going to have the capital gains tax side of it as well was that kind of part of your motivation for doing the buy and hold thing rather than flipping like you obviously haven't flipped if you've only sold one property of your own it's a bit of that because i don't like the idea of paying cgt that's just and i understand like you need to pay tax to make the the world and the economy and everything go around. I don't know how Dubai does it, but I think that for me, it was probably more a case of the amount of people I'd sit down with as an agent and they'd tell stories of like, oh, I know we overpaid for this house. We we bought it for 92,000 and oh, we probably could have got it for 90,000. And this is like back in like 1987. And I'm yeah. sitting in like a million dollar house and I'm like, who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. And it's that miracle of compounding. And, and it comes back for me to that whole, I've never met one person that said, I'm so disappointed. I kept that house for 30 years. Yeah, but not one. No yeah, one's ever said yeah. it. And I just don't think anyone is. But I met a lot of people that would say, geez, oh, imagine if we kept that one. Imagine imagine how different that would be. Yeah. I don't know why they talk like that in my head. But it's <laughs> it's just this whole like, keep it. If you can stay solvent, because that's to me the thing that's that if this does end up turning into a bit of a downturn, then it's everyone that's like severely negatively geared now. Like I hope there's huge cash reserves because that that's the thing that's going to make sure that you hold that portfolio through that next cycle and amazing things happen because yes. then if, if you can hold it through, great. But it's when you can't stay solvent. I think that's that's when people run into problems. Yes. So I think if I could hold it, that's where the whole positive cash flow thing really just clicked with me. That like even my current portfolio 
now. We worked out the other day. I think rate, rates can get to something like six and a half percent before I'm even cash flow neutral. Wow. Like it's it's that good in, in that sense. And I'm sure there's there's holes that people could pick in it. It's not perfect. But I just always really liked that as far as the security aspect was concerned yeah. and thought, if this is something I can give to the kids one day that I don't even have yet, I've got a chocolate Labrador. It's like you're looking around like, no, that's <laughs> still not here. <laughs> um then yeah, like maybe this portfolio is going to be worth $30 million by then or whatever it is. Yeah. It just, oh. just made sense to me. Yeah, and I'm, it's interesting to hear you talk about the, the cash flow position because obviously you're buying something, I mean, $62,500 ridiculous. That's, <laughs> that's That's kind of like a new driveway for the, your average house these days. But you're obviously going to put the money in, get it revalued. And so the rent, if we're looking at, you know, even a poor yield at, Two or three percent, it's cash flow positive by, by a country mile. I want to ask you about Adelaide because you live in Adelaide and uh, you're probably lucky in that what you've been able to do was kind of affordable in a sense. What I'm getting at there is like, let's say you're earning 30 or 40 grand, there are properties for 60, 100 grand. Whereas if you're earning, let's say, 50 or 60 grand in Sydney because you know, salaries might be a little bit higher. The property prices are still going to be three or four hundred. So it wouldn't be as possible. I'm wondering if that is a, a net positive or do you kind of think because I have to be the man doing the reno, I've actually kind of undiversified myself because they've got to be places that I can get to. That no. was a jumble of a question. I'm sorry. Is there enough well, no, in there I've, for I've you to answer? There's- I think there's two questions. There is. There normally is. Um, But yeah, yes and no. Is is it easy? No. And this is something we're we're trying to do on pizza and property is an episode around sacrifice. But Mm -hmm. the reason we haven't done it yet is because it's probably going to be one of the most unsexy, boring topics we can actually cover. Yeah. But the reality of it is that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. It's a, yeah, what, what was it? it was sacrifice, serviceability, and and suitability. We came up with some kind of little formula for it. And I was willing to, to sacrifice the, the time, the weekends. But I remember I used to have the opposite mindset. I used to watch uh, videos of Birchie and go and doing his renos and stuff in Kempsey and yeah. how he could buy houses for $50,000. And well, that one that he bought for $8,000. I'm like, oh, I don't have any of those opportunities. Oh, I can't do that. And I can't. And that, that was my self-talk at the time. Yeah. And because even the town that I purchased it in, most of the other houses around there, the median house price was 180. So yep. that wasn't the norm. Like yeah, that okay. was very much a jump on this deal when it came up. I'd be the opportunist. But yes, I, I'm lucky. I don't want to not recognize that. But I think that you can also manufacture that. If you're, let's say you live in the heart of Sydney, no way in hell are you doing this. You're not even buying half a car park for 60 grand. Yeah. Like it's, it's something that you are going to have to travel. But that's what we did with not the last reno, but the reno before that. We traveled up to Brisbane. Yeah, because I, I wanted to put together a, a granny flat deal and, and I wanted to combine that with a reno as well. Can't do granny flats in Adelaide. Well, you can, but not legally. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> I wanted to go somewhere where I could do that legally and, and rented the whole thing out. And it's been, been wonderful, uh, the, the project. But me and the other half, Bianca, we did a 10-day reno which sounds super like impressive and cool, but it was both of us working 14 to 16 hour days, 10 days straight. It was extremely taxing like on the body, yep. but we had to get all of uh, the equipment and everything trucked up there. So we had this Renault box and there's there's all the logistics and everything behind it, but eventually we, we got it all done. Still so together? We, yeah, yeah, she's wonderful. I see, <laughs> I don't know how she does it. Like it's, it, we're about to buy one for her on the weekend. Well, fingers crossed if, if we, we win at the auction, but she's been really, really good. And actually this is a good thing because everyone keeps telling us in the family you guys need to go on the block and we just always like 
I don't know, we've got a great communication. I don't want to like knock on wood. I don't want to jinx this because I really love the girl. Uh, but I like the fact that we don't argue the same way. I've yeah. always been a very argumentative person with relationships in the past and apparently so is she. But we just have this really nice, clear communication with each other, which if you are going to do a reno with someone, yeah. this is why we can't go on the block because it's not interesting to watch when you've got that nice, clear line of communication yeah. with each other. You'll but, get cut out in casting. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's so different because the other partner that I talked about that I did it with beforehand, it's just the amount of extra stress that's already added to the stress of a reno when mm. you're constantly yelling at each other yeah fun to watch not fun to, to actually be in let's use this one that you did as a bit of a case study so in 10 days i kind of want to get an idea about where the bang for buck is in a reno you obviously looked at it and you thought let's take the granny flat sort of out of the equation thing but mm-hmm. um what are you doing that you think is going to get you the best return are we talking kitchen and bathroom are we gutting everything or are there tricks and anything that you can give us as a tip so 10 days we didn't have time to gut everything so there were certain things that with the tiles and this is the stuff that i got done before we went up there which is out of the process that you'd normally do but in with interest of time because we had to play with this schedule several times to go yes we can actually do this in 10 we actually allowed 14 but we end up getting it done in 10 so that worked really well but we got the floors done before we went up there so everything that i paid for to get done and we also got the bathroom professionally sprayed because i painted the toilet was separate I painted the tiles in the toilet because there were this hideous green. And I, I remember thinking a, a wet area, totally different. If someone's showering, it's, it's, it's a wet area and there's water everywhere. And you haven't done that 100% perfect. I see it all the time when people have tried to tile paint. Yep. It comes off in a few months. Yeah, it's, right. it's rubbish. Okay? But you don't sit on the toilet, well, at least I don't, and like touch the walls and make them wet. It's something that I felt like, yeah, I can do this the cheaper way because the quote for the toilet was $2,000. And I was like, I can do that with White Knight products for about sort of 300 bucks. So I ended up doing that. But got the the bathroom professionally sprayed. I got a plumber in to install the the tapware, put a a new, uh, what's called new vanity in there, new mirror. And I got tiles. We had to put tiles over the tiles, but I got them checked first, which is if they're not drummy, it's not ideal. Like you shouldn't be doing it. You should be ripping them out. Yep. But otherwise, it just completely changed the look of the bathroom. Actually, if you want, I can send you some before and afters if you want to pop them on the, the Facebook page. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then for the kitchen, we did a super basic one there. We basically just uh, got the kitchen completely repainted for the kitchen. Yep. Again, do it with the proper White Knight products. Uh, I redid the bench tops. Like I actually put new bench tops in, new sink, new tap, new everything else. But the actual kitchen carcass was fine. Like yep. There was nothing wrong with it. It was only, I think, 20 years old. And it had been taken care of reasonably well. And so we got the floors, I sprayed everything. I sprayed the outside of the house. And spraying is such a big benefit. What are we talking about like, with spraying, like the outside of the house? Uh, so I, I painted the brick. Right. Which is kind of not controversial, but it's kind of a some renovators are all for it and some renovators hate it. Personally, I don't like the rendering. I think it costs a lot more for not much more impact. And I'm constantly looking at it going, what can I do? So the, the valuer can go, wow, that's a big change. Wow, that looks amazing in comparison to these other before photos I've seen. Yep. That's going to cost me the like the smallest amount of money, but still be done properly though as well. Yeah, because you don't just want to like chuck some dodgy stuff in there. Then especially if you're going to be keeping this for thirty years. Yeah, and render. There's a skill set to rendering, right? Yeah, totally. And and whilst there's there's definitely skill in in painting, I feel that it's a skill set that yeah probably doesn't take the same kind of uh, time to master. 
Yeah, I actually have a, a rendering brother-in-law, so that was my homage to him. I know there is skill in it, and he has a bit of a joke with the painters, sort of saying, it's not that hard, they teach it in kindergarten, but there is also <laughs> a skill in painting as well. Um, what I, I'd love to get you back for another episode, because we're trying to cap these at about 20 minutes, we're already at 25. If that's okay with you, I'd love to get a little bit more meat on the bones with this sort of stuff, but let's stay high level. I, I wouldn't mind if you could give us, say, three tips for people that are wanting to take on a project where they're wanting to add value they find something that they're like okay well there's less competition for a property that's got a few things wrong with it what what are the best tips for getting for squeezing a little bit of equity out of a property to be able to boost and go again so and in terms of when you're buying it what to look for or what yeah yeah when you've got it buying it absolutely and what what should they be doing where they're going to get the best bang for buck okay so buying it you want to look for a few things you first of all you actually want to look for a, a tenanted property that is presented poorly because presentation is not what you inherit if you actually have the contract subject to vacant possession depending on when the lease is actually going to expire of course yep I've bought a few properties that way that have just been absolutely horrific. One so bad. I actually called the RSPCA when I found the dog at the back. Oh, dear. Like just not, not nice, but it turned everyone else off. The, yeah. the way that I describe what I'm after to agents is the worse it smells, the more I'm interested. Yeah. So, and as much as it sounds funny, it's totally true. If a yeah. place stinks, it smells real bad. Perfect. Because it turns people off so much. Yeah. And the other thing that I try and look for, and this is possibly, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but sometimes it's good to actually buy from an agent that generally sells, like, cause I buy in entry level areas mm-hmm. and, and kind of blue collar areas that generally sells more so in the white collar, like upper echelons. Yep. If they're used to selling more like 1.5, $2.5 million properties yep. in Adelaide. And I see that they've got a unit for 250, 350. Again, I could be wrong. I want to be very Switzerland on this. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's like, they're not going to want that on their books the same way. Yeah. They're, they're not going to give that the same amount of interest. They don't know the area as well. Yeah. It's, it's tarnishing it's their really, reputation for every hour it's unsold. Potentially. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this is purely speculation. So if you are a high level agent selling an, an entry level property right now, please don't take it personally. It's <laughs> fact. And, sc- and yeah. Todd just whacked you and you deserve it. <laughs> but stuff like that, you you can get a great deal because yep. they, maybe they don't understand the value the same way that you do if you've done the research on the area. Yeah, awesome. So, and then as far as actually getting that property, so let's say you've secured it, then I think the, the next step, paint's your best friend. Always paint. Yeah. And then making sure that I love taking out walls. Please make sure they're not structurally load-bearing though. We <laughs> want to make sure... <laughs> that's right but yeah if you can take out a wall and open up a room i just did that on the latest one in the the unit and it was just these tiny two little kitchen sort of living area now it's one big space yep it's exactly the same square meterage but the place feels doubly as big Mm. now there was a real fetish around little boxes in the 1950s and 60s right it's like this room's for this this room's for that and never the twain shall meet whereas now the modern idea is like we want to feel sort of like we can swing domestic pets yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) yeah and it's it's interesting to hear that that makes a big difference so poor presentation the more it stinks the more we're interested you've got your bang for buck is paint is the main one and you looking for prestige agents that are stuck with a rotten a rotten listing those are the Still those are the sure big I three said that but yeah. no, it's recorded now <laughs> i'm not gonna edit it's not that sort of show uh, it's it's not a proper show like pizza and property go and check that out go and check yeah. out todd's uh, book as well that's awesome todd i'd like to call this uh episode one of two if that's all right to, for you and we'll we'll have you back but thank you very much for joining me today that's you've shared some awesome insights and been really open with it so i appreciate it anytime man always a pleasure cheers